Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, hello, leavers and believers. Welcome back to Leaving Hillsong. My name's Tanya and I'm thrilled that you've joined us for this conversation. Today is kind of a tough one, so you're going to need two cups of coffee and, as Nicolas Cage said, in wild at heart, this is probably a two-cigarette problem. So smoke them if you've got them, people, because content warning doesn't really begin to describe this. Today we're joined by Nick Jordan and Nick is a journalist from the UK with 20 years experience in journalism and he's now freelancing and researching for a company called The Voice of a Survivor and they work with childhood sexual assault survivors who've experienced that assault in Australian institutions. From 2014 to 2017, we had a royal commission in this country into how institutions responded to reports of child sexual assault. And those institutions included churches and sporting groups and girls' homes, boys' homes, that kind of thing. Nick is kind of our Robert Ferguson. And for those who don't know, Robert Ferguson is an English guy who has been a teaching pastor at Hillsong for 30 years and really helped shape the culture. And he has a degree in biology, but he is a theologian, apparently. He's got this English accent that people really trust. And when you listen to Nick, you'll, you'll understand. I mean, I just believe everything he says with that sort of almost Jeremy Irons kind of thing he's got going. And he is a Catholic. Um, and back in my day, we knew they were all going to hell because they're idol worshippers, but things have changed. And, you know, Brian realised that Catholic money was still money. And so we're all kind of okay with Catholics these days. This episode, in the face of something awful, is about what to do when you have heard about child sexual assault, historical, current. If you have concerns, what can someone do next? So I think this is most important to listen to, get informed, 
get an understanding of what your options are and the very real imperative we all have to keep children safe. So I'm thrilled to present this chat with Nick Jordan. That's been coming for a really long time. We've had a few delays. It's been on my mind since all of the kind of horrible crimes started coming out when uh, Brian stepped aside. There was just report after report of sexual assault and we got to do something. And while some of these reports related to adults, a lot of them also related to those underage. And so here's Nick Jordan telling us what we can do in the face of something awful. Hi, Nick. Hi, Tanya. How are you going? I'm fine. How are you? Good, good. Good, good. Thank you so much for joining us here on Leaving Hillsong. You know, it, it started out a few months ago because of your work, wanting to find out more yep. about what people can do. I, we first started talking about this in March when all the stuff happened with Hillsong and Brian really stepped mm. aside and a lot yep. of stories were coming out, just really horrible stories, things that people had been through. And it was ranging from, you know, being overworked to, you know, verbal abuse to really serious sexual abuse allegations. And that's where you and I started talking about this. And then you got COVID and I got COVID. And yeah, yeah. So thanks for um, thanks for all your patience. No, that's fine. And thank you. Thanks for putting up with my um, absences uh, as well. You're working for a place called The Voice of a Survivor in Queensland. Yeah, that's right. So I work uh, as a freelance researcher and writer for a company called The Voice of a Survivor who operate in, uh, in Australia or across Australia. What we do is we represent adult victims of childhood sexual abuse uh, in Australian institutions, which is a, a bit of a, a, okay. a mouthful. Sort of what, we, what we're normally doing is we're not lawyers or anything like that, but a survivor of sexual abuse uh, in an institution will approach us. And we'll, we'll sort of guide them through the legal process and the pastoral process that they need to get to get two things usually, which is a, a, first a letter of acknowledgement and hopefully apology from the institution concerned where they, the client was abused and two financial recompense, you know, that the, the, the law allows for. So that's what I do. And I, I research and write. I interview survivors. I do this for a number of different clients as well as the voice of a survivor, but um, they're the most prominent group of its type in the country. I've uh, been very successful. And uh, and when I say successful, I think we measure success by, you know, the amount of, of, of people, that, of survivors that we've, that we've encouraged to come forward and talk about what happened to them. Okay. Now, now just to clear that up with you, is it only sexual abuse that is covered under this? Because is this directly related mm. to the Royal Commission is what I'm, what I'm asking? It, it, it is, yeah. I mean, it, it is largely. I mean, we, you know, I mean, as you know already, I'm sure so the sex, sexual abuse cases fall under personal injury law as a general. So there is a sense of it being a personal injury thing. But because of the uh, the sort of background of the company and who it was founded by, uh, a guy called Russell Mansur, we've tended to focus on institutional sexual abuse. Yeah, that's right. And, uh-huh. it, and it, it does come off the back of the, the Royal Commission into institutional responses to child sexual abuse to 2013 and 2017 was a, was a, a Royal Commission that set to inquire about those things in Australian life. And it made a big impact, and and it's it's, yeah. it's the waves of that inquiry are still are still reaching Australia now, and um, and we you know we're very much at the forefront of that. Yeah. After the Royal Commission into institutional responses into child sexual mm. abuse, a big name in itself, they wanted it. Yeah. The inquiry wanted to know how institutions responded when people reported. Yeah. After that, a lot of businesses cropped up 
a lot of lawyers, yeah. a lot of websites, a lot of we can help you. How do people make the choice of who to contact, who to trust, who's who's yeah. going to do the actual right thing by them? Well, I mean, good good question. I mean, I think that the answer to that is almost in the question itself is that, I mean, you're right. I mean, you're going to get a lot of personal injury lawyers and we tend to associate that industry with what you know, might call it ambulance chasing or whatever, um, where you've, you've had a sort of worker's injury and, it, you know, a lawyer phones you. It's not like that. You know, one the yeah. company we're not allowed to operate like that in this sphere that's, that's the little laws about that but two it's not we're not we're not lawyers uh, so we're not we're not um, we're not a legal company and because i think it's the provenance of the firm is what's important here is that it was founded by russell manser who's um he's an extraordinary australian and he suffered uh, institutional sexual abuse from the age of uh, i think he was 13 at the Derrick boys home in western sydney which is a notorious and long since closed establishment and then also at um at long bay prison where he was incarcerated in an adult prison as a child and also sexually abused but he went on to spend you know 23 years in jail on and off robbing banks heroin addicts this kind of thing and before having a kind of a you know epiphany i suppose at, at the royal commission where he told his story for the first time and was believed obviously and and he said it was the it was the letter of apology and acknowledgement and the belief that the commission had in him that was life-changing not the compensation it was it was the, that it's on the back of that that we that we do all our work you know so yeah yeah, because we were talking just before we started recording, hey, about it's been my experience that it's without discounting or minimising anything to do with abuse that people have gone through, it seems mm. to be, you know, when they tell somebody, you know, it's it's the parent that doesn't believe them or that, mm, that yeah, really yeah. kind of has this devastating impact and it seems to be the church's response that makes people lose their faith, not necessarily that, you know, yes. the abuse they went mm. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. And I think that that's, that's, where the, that's where the danger really lays in terms of people, you know, keeping their faith, but also in terms of getting, most importantly, of getting the, the help and the, the, the safety that they need immediately, you know. You know, already they're facing the, the most devastating experience of, that any human being can face, in my, in my view, which is being assaulted as a child for sexual, sexual reasons. And then, and then to that, you know, very few people are able uh, for all sorts of very good reasons, in fact, to then go forward and, and, and say anything at the time. You know, they're mm. just not, they're just not able. They're terrified. They're not in the right circumstances. They're not in the right mind. It's just not possible. But those that do are, are able to are then find themselves in a situation where they're not, as you said, not believed, where they're ridiculed, where they're abused again, uh, even. And it's, it, it, that for me, that for me is a betrayal that is next level because that, that's hard to understand. And I think at that moment, if you sexually abused by the parish uh, priest, and you have the courage in you to go to the local archbishop or bishop, for instance, and I have heard many of these stories, and the bishop turns around and just says, you're, you're, you're an evil person for telling me this story, you know, and I don't want to hear this anymore. You go back and don't ever spread false rumours about priest again. At that moment, your trust in authority is broken forever, I think. You know, it never comes back, really. And I think that's, that's, where, that's where the church has suffered. You know, there, there was a moment, really, where the church could have said, you know, the Catholic church I'm talking about, could have said, yes, we've known about it. And we're, this is, we're trying to do the right thing instead of extending cover up after cover up after cover up and, and calling them the Melbourne response or various redress schemes that they've launched. Mm -hmm. Are, for me, all part of a cover up. There was a moment where they could have said, yes, we, we, we believe you now. Uh, but they've never really said that, you know. And I think that's the moment where... Just to set for me, what, what hmm. the Melbourne response is part of the cover-up? What do you mean by that? So, First of all, tell us what the Melbourne response... So the Melbourne response was a organized, was a sort of project organised in response to widespread allegations of clerical sexual abuse by the Catholic Church in Australia. And the Melbourne response 
was launched by Cardinal George Pell, who was the, you know, the most senior Catholic cleric in Australia, mm-hmm. uh, who, who had been the Archbishop of, of, of Melbourne and of Sydney and, and various things. And the Melbourne response came early. It was the first organised Vatican response to these global scale allegations, you know, and um, and Pell was widely hailed for it because it seemed to yeah. do the right thing. They offered a redress scheme, which is a, you know, a one-off payment of not an insignificant amount of money to victims. It offered a kind of reconciliation model um, and things like that. And it, it, it struck people as the right thing to do. The Vatican at that point was still in kind of a, a state of shock and it didn't do much that was positive. You know, the Melbourne response seemed proactive. It seemed open-minded. It seemed apologetic and that kind of stuff. What happened in the Royal Commission, however, is that some years later, after the Melbourne response was launched, is that it, it came into quite a lot, a lot of criticism by the Royal Commission uh, into institutional responses. And um, I mean, what they found was really what people were going for is that survivors were, were, were being sort of introduced to the Melbourne response options. And that would include a redress scheme of, say, being paid, I don't know, an amount of money, say $70,000 for what, what the abuse they'd suffered. And we're talking about entirely ruined lives here it's not just a moment of abuse in history it's it's a, an entire life that has been yeah. affected by this yeah. so they give it a flat one-off payment that then precludes you from going back to law to get any more that's part of the deal okay. you can't then sue again and it's a very small amount because common law lawyers then have got involved and said hang on a second this is this is serious personal injury of the most in, you know grave level we this person is worth you know the injuries that happened to them are, are, are considerably more Oh, Great. And so, yeah. you know, and then and then there was other aspects of the Melbourne response, which started to look like asking people not to talk further. Do you know what I mean? Uh, to come forward, have yep. your moment of reconciliation. Yep. You forgive us. We forgive you. Don't say another word. Thanks very much. Here's your 50 grand and walk out the door. You know, to me, it starts to look when you bear in mind that George Pell was the Pope's uh, as a cardinal. He was, you know, he would have a speciality and be the Pope's right hand man in a particular field. And George Pell was the financial advisor to the Vatican. So he, he had the Pope's ear on, on matters of finance. He was the, the, the key financial advisor to the Vatican. And um, the redress scheme of the Melbourne response starts to look like a money-saving scheme when you consider the real amounts that common law commercial lawyers could get for you in, 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 common, in a common you know, okay. sort of action. It's not a numbers game. And, and the, the, cal- the calculus of, of, of abuse and, and damages is, is, is a hard calculation to make. You know, it's not, it's not a, an easy thing to make. But it's properly made by doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists mm-hmm. and legal teams working together to, and a judge to work out exactly how much, you know, giving you money in return for some, something that is, you, you, you can't put a price on the, the damage that's been done to an individual and to society by an, an instance of child sexual abuse. However, someone will. Because that's the way we work, you know. Yeah. Someone will do that for you, and it'll be done properly and sensitively and, and with insight. And that will be a much larger amount than what you're offered by any redress scheme, you know. And so, if if someone senior in the Catholic Church had run the numbers quickly and figured, you know, if we just pay as many redress schemes as possible, you know, and avoid civil la- civil actions, we're going to save an awful, awful lot of money over the next ten years because they knew full well the scale of the abuse going on in the Catholic okay. Church. I, I, I start to doubt things like that, you know, and then. You know, I can't say anything more. I don't want to say anything more about George Pell's own situation because, you know, he's is, is who he is. Well, that would be my criticism. That's the criticism of the Royal Commission, which stands today as, as, as a written verdict, you know, on his behaviour. So, What do we make of the redress scheme that was introduced after our own Royal Commission, where various institutions signed up and people then approached them for compensation? I mean, was that was that a wholesale kind of way for well minimizing no no i would say not i mean i i would say that any anything that came out of the royal commission uh, 
you know, in that sense is a good thing. You know, we are back to commission 100%. So if the commission are back to redress scheme and they, they did something, then I think that's, that's okay because it comes from a different agenda. It comes from an entirely different place, you know. What's the okay? The, okay. The Melbourne response. The Melbourne response is a is a is a <laughs> is an attempt to kind of keep the church together. I don't. I, I, in some ways, I don't blame the architects of it for doing that. That's the job, after all. The archbishops and cardinals of the Catholic Church are there to maintain its structures, not at all costs, however. Okay. But I, I would say I understand why they did that in some ways. That's not why the commission introduced a redress scheme. You know, that's that, okay. that's that's. A, we just keep going back to that idea of, you know, how do people know who to trust, particularly people who have had mm. trust betrayed many times before? You know, how do you make well, those kinds of decisions? And, I mean, you're a person of faith yourself, are you not? I'm, I'm a Catholic. Yeah, I'm a Roman Catholic, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, you're a, what we would think of as practising in some form? Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Yeah, 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 sure. I don't think I'd get on very well with the current Vatican line and a lot of things, but, you know, that's that's their problem. <laughs> Okay, so how do you then reconcile? Well, and do you, does that? How do you reconcile actively reporting against leaders within that church, which you know is, and I'll tell you why, because there's this very strong loyalty culture that is taught to people who go to Hillsong, and they mm. must defer to leaders and trust leaders, and yeah, well, this whole certainly. thing of uh, touch not the Lord's anointed. You know, you don't yep. criticise them, you don't speak against them. And then very much this, up until recently, and the Royal Commission, keep it in-house. You don't take yeah. it out of the court. You just described the Catholic Church's response as well, you know, I mean, but but on an even bigger scale. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's the same. It's the same thing. That, that so Hillsong have used the same tactics and, and strategies. I would suggest that they are tactics and strategies. Um, How do people overcome what we've all been taught so strongly, so deeply, that you don't go around doing that? I mean. And that's your job now. Like, how does that work for you? Well, you know, it's I don't find a conflict in it because I think that it's a Catholic church and the word Catholic as in all embracing and global. It encovers a, it covers a lot of different uh, approaches. You know, I suppose I would probably more find myself. There's a theology within within Catholicism called liberation theology, which um, is not approved of by the Vatican particularly, and the liberation theology priests find themselves being excommunicated and all sorts of things. But I would probably more land up in that camp um, of, a, of, a, of a, a sort of ground-up movement of based in working for people who are in need, okay. not abusing them, obviously, um, um, more sort of closely worded around Christ's teachings, I suppose, if you want to put it like that, uh, and less dependent on the Vatican, what the Vatican says are in the rule. And that, that incurs the wrath of the Vatican every, every few years or so, and they, they get annoyed. But um, you won't find many, you know, liberation theologist movements involved in the child abuse scandal. I can tell you that for nothing. And that is one of the reasons why I think okay. that the current Pope, Pope Francis, has been, was made Pope, in fact. You know, he was, I believe, introduced into that role because Pope Benedict had to resign uh, because, of, uh, because of the scandal and his failure to sort of manage aspects of it. And that's a big, that's a big thing, right? You know, popes don't just resign. So they introduced a cleric, a prelate who they knew was clean in that regard. He don't, there's no one's ever suggested that Pope Francis has been involved in cover-ups or abuse or any of any type whatsoever. And he's a Jesuit, and and they are the liberal lefties, if you like, of the Catholic Church, and they would more closely connect with the liberation theology I just mentioned. Okay, so they're not involved in the scandals because. 
why are they not involved in scams? I mean, I, I'm not, I can't say 100%. I mean, certainly Jesuit priests and colleges have certainly been involved in the scam. Let me just say, say that right off the bat. But I would say that they, um, they come from a, more, a sort of a, a ground up perspective where it, it's not of an authority bearing down on you know on you and ordering you what to do it's, it's coming from the people and that emanates from a genuine desire to help the people that you you can say emulates christ's example if you wish uh, or just a, a genuine soup kitchen a street worker type of example you know where um, people want to help and and that kind of thing you can't buy that you know you can't replace it or you can't teach it i think it's um you know it's a rebe- it's a sort of an internal rebellion of sorts mm-hmm. it's a reaction against the, the authority of the of the vatican it's a reaction against the child abuse okay. cover-up it's a it's a requirement for honesty a requirement for the people you know part of your work involves kind of tracing where some of these offenders are doesn't it i mean mm. yeah we were looking into cases of historical child abuse in in I can't really say the place, I suppose, um, but it's regional Australia in the 1990s, which is kind of like the epicentre of the um, high tide mark of the of the cover up scandal before it was widely revealed to the public by the Boston Globe in their spotlight articles, which which I think were launched in um, 2001 were first published. So this case, particular case I was looking at was back in the 90s. And the requirement from the lawyer uh, was simply to find precedent examples of cover ups in that diocese. And once you start digging, you, you find them, you know, and um, you know, I think that's the horror of, the, of, the, of any institutional cover up is you, you can't get away anymore with the one bad apple theory. You know, you, you suddenly start to look at it and you think, oh, it's not just one priest or two priests. It's yes. actually everyone, yeah. you know, well, um, to some extent. I, I um, seem to remember that the number given in spotlight was that 94 percent of priests weren't offenders. So they're talking about. That's sick. right. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's true, and I mean that probably reflects a, a trend in society that you know it's 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 statistically small uh, the number of people who'd be prepared to you know sexually exploit or abuse a child, right? But um, nonetheless, it's you know it's determinedly present, and um, more concerning of me as as we, uh, given what we're talking about is the percentage of people prepared to play along with some kind of cover up in some capacity or other. So most people wouldn't do this. Agreed. However. A, a higher, I do believe, a higher percentage than six people, six percent would would be be prepared uh, and have been uh. involved in cover-ups. You know, and 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 what and what does involvement in a cover-up mean? I mean, you can either be the bishop at the forefront, orchestrating the whole thing from buying the plane tickets to get the priest out of the country, covering his address, all that kind of stuff, or you can be the secretary who overhears it and pretends that she didn't hear it, you know, or yeah. turns away and that kind of stuff, or that you know the senior member of the parish who just lets it go rumors that the priest is a bit like that doesn't ever mention it to anyone yeah. you know i mean it, it that kind of stuff you know um that's the culture we need to change and i think that you know that that's a very similar culture to the kind of stuff i mean that that's going on in hillsong when when stuff started happening in march there were just mm. so many stories coming out mm. so what does the secretary do i mean and that's what i yeah. I wanted to just demystify some of that process. What would the mm. secretary that overhears something do? Yeah, and I think I just want to make it, actually, that's a good question. I want to make a quick distinction there between the, um, I, I, don't, I don't want to put the secretary person, the overhearer, at the, at the centre of the frame here. They're not the abuser, right? But they don't need to be clear about that. No, um, yeah. But they are, in some ways they are part of the abused and also the abuse. You know, they, they, they're a victim as well in some ways. Um, it depends how willingly they play along with it, you know. But it, I think there is, if you're just suddenly, if you are suddenly just a, a kind of a bit player in a, in a bigger picture that you're not aware of and that you're suddenly exposed to, uh, even fleetingly, 
that's going to be quite shocking. A moment of realisation where you think, you know, why did you buy those airline tickets for a South Pacific island to get Father O'Leary out of, out of the country by 2am the next day? You know, and you have a moment of realisation. Um, it's not your fault. You know, I think it's, we need to be clear on that. But, you know, I think, I think there does come, you know, with the increasing awareness uh, that we've had over the last 10 to 20 years of, of child abuse taking place in, in institutions, there has to come now a moment where, you, you know, you, you perhaps do need to stop and think about what you're doing, even if you've just done it, you've been caught up with it, you didn't realise. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colours, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. Well, you were scared. You didn't dare say anything. It's to go back and reflect, you yeah. know, in private on what's happened and perhaps think again about the next thing because that is the person at the other end of that, you know, at the other end of the trail of, of, of deceit and cover up is a child. And yeah. they're facing a, a, a lifetime uh, sanction that you're, you're not, you know. So, I think we, we we're all well educated enough now. We can't we can't excuse ourselves and say we didn't know it was going on. We know it's out there, you know. Yeah. Um, we have to be more yeah. aware. We have to we have to take care of each other. Who do they then contact the secretary? Do they call? It's yeah, uh, it's it's not easy. No, and we you know we, sadly we have lots of evidence. So if, it, if it's a, if it's a respected institution, for instance, uh, in a, a smaller town. You, you might you might not find help from the police either you know uh, yeah i just don't you know it just really depends on circumstance my clear advice to anyone in such a circumstance faced with what they believe is evidence of child sexual abuse at an institution is to go to the police uh it is your first point of call because at the very least it will be recorded you know that you made a complaint i've always thought even if people i can't help it with social work always coming back if people can't even face the police station or making a call to one of the helplines, even just to document it at home, to write what happened, when it happened, what you heard, and put on a piece of paper and I don't know or in a file or something. No one else needs to see it. And then you can decide because it's it's incredible what you do forget, you know, guilty of that. Oh no, I'll remember that in a month's time. But you exactly that's fresh. they start counting as legal documents. Yes, they do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you'd be surprised 
10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, you never know who comes knocking on the door looking for that kind of information, you know. And it might be uh, investigators from a Royal Commission, for instance. It might be the police the next week. It might be also a prayer, the local journalists from the investigatory team of a of a, of a of a local newspaper. Whoever it is, they, to my mind, may be agents of the truth, you know, and it is worth, uh, I can, and as someone who researches these things and looks for scraps of evidence like that, I can tell you now that kind of thing is invaluable uh, to future investigations. Okay. And, um, and it doesn't, doesn't have to be a police investigation. It can simply be some arbiter of truth, you know, and, and that's what's needed more than anything. You know, and it, it can be because of the level of coercion and manipulation that we are hearing about from people who are victims of abuse in Hillsong, there's often a lot of rewards attached special treatment gifts all that kind of stuff people are coerced into believing you know relationships are consensual where they're clearly you know abusive so it's it's grooming it's grooming it's it's a form of grooming and i mean i think that the people are they are people when you say coercion to people they uh including myself my default position is to assume some sort of hostile force that's been pu- pushing you in a certain way but coercion doesn't always work like that as, as i know yeah. you and your, many of your listeners will know coercion can come with a smile you know come with a smile on its face mm-hmm. and a present in its hand um, so it's taking people a lot of time to even kind of recognize that what took place mm-hmm. wasn't right or wasn't fair there's there's situations like that you know the average person because because once Brian Houston, it was like the head got kind of knocked off. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Organization, yeah. And so many people felt freer to talk about all kinds of things. And then yeah, these, yeah. these crimes started coming out. And I just started thinking, what what can people do who aren't trained mm. in any particular legal or... So it's been interesting to hear that it's a, a personal injury laws as well. Yeah, I mean, in Aust- yeah, it certainly forms under, it falls under personal injury or professional standards, liabilities might be something. I mean, I'm aware... That- the Catholic Church often find themselves being sued in these cases uh, in the guise of, of a company called Catholic Church Insurance, who insure uh, they insure the Catholic Church in Australia, basically. And I believe they've, they've had to pay quite a lot out. Personal injury and professional standard suits that they find. I found this thing this morning, Nick. I want to kind of show you what, I mean, I know you're familiar with misogyny in the Catholic Church, but... There's a pastor from the, you know, this group. His name's John McMartin, and he's facing charges. He was charged last year with. There's a website uh, run by a man called Donald Ellie who has been following very closely the Hillsong, uh, anything that Brian does, anything you know, Pat Mercedes does. All these people. He's quite prolific with his writing, and this is how he. He colours it, just to give you a bit of background about this culture. Okay, so John McMartin was one of the high-up executives at the time of the various concerns about behaviours of concealment that were going on. John McMartin was part Mm -hmm. of that hot potato process of passing that information Mm -hmm. on. So he's got a bit of pressure anyway, but... Pleasure Point writes this man is where Pastor John came unstuck with one of his parishioners in 2013 at his home. He has a swimming pool. Was there a pool party on a hot summer's day? Now, then he quotes from the ABC that, according to court documents, police allege the 66-year-old put his hand down the girl's pants and squeezed her breasts at his Pleasure Point home in January 2013. After more than 30 years, he was forced to step down as a senior pastor of the Inspire Church at Hoxton Park. 
etc etc this woman is 18 now this former uh, man who advertises himself as a lay preacher of some great standing says it's going to be very hard to defend the charges in light of the me too movement and the greater willingness of courts to believe victims of sexual assaults hard to defend Mm -hmm. but not impossible there's bound to be a lot to it I'm guessing consumption of alcohol, a hot summer Sydney day, scant bikinis, and lots of other background. A pool party, mm. lots of silliness, laughter, flirting, mm. and shenanigans. It'll all come mm. out in court. Mm. There is the question of how much responsibility is on a female in a situation like this. Mm. Was the mm. young lady leading Pastor John on? And if so, mm. how much? If the mm. allegations are true, Pastor John yielded to temptation and did something very foolish. If you compared Pastor John's wife, an old granny, to a young newborn thing, one can see Pastor John fell into a baited trap. Just shows older men have to be very careful. He then goes on, being a multimillionaire for many decades, he says, I'm always on the watch for a young woman (laughs) targeting me for a big payout. Good God, yeah, okay, yeah. Mm. So um, so that's the culture that we're fighting here. Yeah. It's about sin. This has now been reconstructed as he's fallen mm. temptress. What? Yeah, of course. Of course, what? yeah. And that's There's the, that's... 50 years between them. He's her pastor, yeah. I, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And this is how it's immediately reframed. Yeah. Well, you've, you said you've used the right word. They've reframed it, haven't they? And because it's the same old argument that it always was. It's the same old sexist and brutal. Incredible. The thing is, what I was going to say is that's all they've got. That, that, the reason it's the same argument reframed is because that is all they've got. And they know it. You know, they, they, all they've got is that same old sexist oh. stereotype. They're going to pin it on the woman, call her a Jezebel. And that's And, that. that's, and, and that's um, not yeah. even McMartin's friend. That's no. just a commentator that left. Yeah. You know, oh, it's, yeah. You know, so that's what people who are thinking about reporting sexual abuse at Hillsong are up against. Uh, They are. They are, sadly. And I think that, I mean, there's there's no getting away from that hard reality. And I I think what Hillsongers, ex-Hillsongers and and, and Catholics alike will face is the surprisingly easy willingness of a lot of people to put the reputation of the institution before the needs of an individual, an abused individual. And 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 the holiness of the men or or the fallibility of the male involved as a given. (laughs) Yes, I know. I I can't see that as any less damaging than the Catholic Church's response. I'm sorry, I don't see that as any less brutal. Yeah. It's a shame. It's, it's, it's exactly the same stuff, and it's a it's a very frightening patriarchal. But it strikes me as well that Hillsong, you know, Hillsong had, a, had an opportunity to do it differently. You know, these things do happen within these institutions, and it may not always be the fault of the institution as such. It is the response, and that's what I've always gone back to: the Royal Commission into Institutional Responses, responses. to Child Sexual Abuse. Yeah. You know, and I think it's the response that's the key. And Hillsong had a chance to respond differently, and they didn't. Yeah. And uh, I find Where's that beggar's are? belief in my book, you know, because they saw what happened to the Catholic Church. And yes, uh, you know, yes. <laughs> and uh, they're not stupid people. And yeah, here we go. Here we are again. You know, so I don't know. OK, so just setting that aside for a minute, Nick, can you tell me a bit more? Tell us a bit more about, you know, what people can do with information that they've gained. Um, if we can just talk a bit more about that. 
if it's if it's a child abuse instance, that is a time is of the essence. You know, and absolutely any police officer would sure. tell you when a child goes missing, for instance, or is sure. abused, the time is of the essence. So um And the historic you know, the, cases. You know, I would suggest you could get you could go to the police but not the emergency line and they would refer yeah. you, I'm mm-hmm. sure, at least in this day and age. You can go to in you know, whatever your local helpline website is, if it's Samaritans or, or people like that in Australia, it's Lifeline. Um, they will have resources and numbers. You can go to the media. Uh, you can go to the press. And I think that's... Okay, um, okay. what do you um, mean? Uh, well, perhaps not the local town newspaper. That, that that's may not be ideal. But uh, if you go to the, the the bigger local press, you know, like as we, as we were saying earlier to ourselves, the, um, you know, the, the, the media who broke the uh, the Catholic Church scandal to a global to a global audience was a regional newspaper in the form yeah. of the Boston Globe. And... You know, they are they are hot for a story. And I'll tell you why any newspaper is, because that's uh, news is a business and they're always looking for a headline okay. and they're always looking for a story. Now, that sounds a bit cynical. However, if you present them with something, they will tend to run with it. They'll believe you and go with it. And, and that's what you need at that moment. You need someone to believe you. who doesn't turn you away. It doesn't give you bureaucratic fob offs, but who listens and takes notes and pays attention. And marks the date and the time and that kind of yeah. stuff. All that stuff yeah. can be important later. So go to a journal, you know, go to the press. They'll, 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 they'll listen, you know. They can apply pressure sometimes as well. I just am thinking about mm. now, you know, people tell, having to tell their story multiple times to find that person that's going to, you know, do the job properly. And, again, who to trust yeah. and how to choose is such a big yeah. part of I mean, it. I- it, it is. I mean, I think if you're struggling, I mean, if you do find, you know, you've, you've sort of done a couple of things we've suggested here and then you still find that you're not getting anywhere. So um, mm. it's to find activists. It's not that difficult to find activist groups on the, on, on the, you know, and people like yourself, okay. Tanya, and, and all, they, they will help you. There, there are groups out there who will help you. Go to Facebook, go to just do an inter- open internet search and you'll, you'll find activists and whatever. And they, they will have numbers, ideas, and they will, I tell you what, they will act proactively. Almost yeah. 100% yeah. definitely. And um, they'll, they'll get something done for you. The beauty of documentation is that you've then got all your stuff written down for when you do need to tell that story again. You know, it's... Yes. You don't have to kind uh, yeah. of go back and remember and remember again. And no, remember. and here's the sad reality of that is if when when and if you do have to stand up and tell that story, because you will be contested, someone will stand up and say that you're not yep. telling the truth in one yep. way or another. They'll, they'll either say that you've got faulty memory if they're being polite, or if they're really going for you that you're a, you're a liar and you're out to get the church, and they will roast you in court. Their, their expensive lawyers will try and have a go, possibly. Yeah. So be prepared, you know, have have that have that stuff ready, you know, and um, and your lawyers will thank you for it. And I can tell you now. Uh, the, the survivors will will thank you too yeah terrific I think that's all really good like just for people to know that there's various options and you know they don't have to race in like a you know ma- no. a major drama stra- obviously if a child is in immediate danger you'd go uh, of course like, we, no, absolutely even yeah. looking at some of the crimes that have taken place in these mega churches in places like Hillsong and that have, as I said, you've been like reframed so often as sin, often for yes. both parties. That situation was, you know, a man who fell into temptation. So they're both yep. at fault. And when people start reflecting and realizing that it, it's a crime, not a sin, it could be earth shattering. And I believe if it went through these churches worldwide, it had, it had, just it had set the place on fire and I I don't know what would be left standing it's amazing to watch the more people telling stories sharing information these aren't isolated incidents no no they're not no they're not right through the place right and I think also institutions like Hillsong and um, and the Catholic Church having 
having seen precedent examples, uh, say take Hilson, they've seen the precedent example of the Catholic Church and they've chosen to do more or less the same thing. That to me beggars of belief, just in terms of just you know strategic thinking. But anyway, but nonetheless, they use things like your they're aware of your faith and fear of faith and fear of, of authority, for instance. So that um, they're aware that most people don't really want to get the police involved in their lives. You know, it's not yeah. a good look. It's, they always also they're aware of that hesitation that most people have. Most people don't want to call the police. Of course, you, it's a bad thing normally that the police turn up because there's a problem, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think they they rely on that civic hesitation that people have to do the right they want to do the right thing but actually by not progress they're doing they're kind of doing the wrong thing and i think there's a sort of a, a, a sort of subconscious um coercion that goes on as well you know the the, the people like Hillsong, uh, the, the people orchestrating these kind of cover-ups are, are, are keen on and they're aware of in the way that perhaps we're all not and you know ultimately i think if you if you do have a problem i understand for lots of reasons why people might want to not phone police services but you know if we're talking about child protection abuse here is what we're talking about that is also a health issue that's a health and safety issue call an ambulance because the police will have to attend anyway okay. and if you, if you really can't bring yourself to speak to a police officer and i because i work with a lot a lot of people who can't deal with police services you know but, um, they just cannot trust the police anymore is uh, they can trust you can probably trust the paramedic right they can probably make that leap and and it is, after all, a health and safety issue. You know, if someone is being, you suspect, being abused, then, I'm, you know, if you want to boil it down, that's what's happening. Okay, so, um, and you're not talking you know, about finding, like, running in on an actual episode. You're talking about a general awareness you can call an ambulance. Well, I think, I mean, again, you don't want to waste ambulance services time here, but yeah. I mean, I think if you think that something's going on, you think that something's going on, absolutely, uh, and you, you're reluctant to call okay. the police because you don't think you'll be believed or they'll turn up with the wrong attitude or whatever. Then you know you have a situation that you could viably describe as a as a health and safety a health emergency. I think so. You know, just get someone involved is the thing. Yeah, <laughs> you can't yeah. deal with this on your own. You cannot yeah. deal with it on your own. That's yeah. the one thing I know for sure. You know. And I mean, the, the guys that you work with are, I mean, these these are people with long criminal histories, right? Like some serious yeah, sure. cases there, and yes. they're working alongside the authorities now. I mean, is that? Well, yeah, we kind of yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so I mean, sense, if they I mean, can do it. Yes, well, absolutely. And that, that's what I'm sure they would say too. Yeah, I mean, a guy who founded the company, as I said, has spent 23 years in and out of jail. And, um, you know, you develop a certain relationship, I suppose, with the forces of law and authority over that course. But, you know, there comes a point where the police need to be involved. You know, there does. And we, you know, we have to work with prisons. You know, we are critical in some ways, I suppose, of the of the corrective, corrective system, the way it works. But um, we, we have to work with the prison. You know, we, we want we want the best for our clients. Prisons are usually amenable, more or less. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, that's 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 just the contract that, you know, that we have with society, wider yeah. society. But um, yeah. it's not it's not always ideal. But, I mean, the, the, the basic reality of our, of our situation and the clients we deal with is that the majority of them are in prison. Uh, and the reason they're in prison right. is, is because of the things that happened to them when they were children, you know. And um, there is a clear link between those things. None of it excuses whatever okay. they did later mm-hmm. you know we're not we're not trying to support or excuse criminal lifestyles or drug taking or anything like that but there are reasons why people behave the way they do you know and then yeah. and so yeah I, I don't know what the actual percentage is but i spend most of my day talking to people who have been either who either are in prison at that moment or have been have significant prison so you know incarceration histories uh, and and usually attended by drug addiction or alcohol abuse by you know, inability to form relationships with, you know, romantic and loving relationships, uh, tendencies to violence and outbursts of anger management. Uh, most of our clients are male as well. And so it's, you know, yeah, all that kind of stuff is a, it seems a huge taboo subject, 
but that, that that's where we work and that's that's you know the crucible of where we uh, where we go really it's deep in the australian culture you know we were started as a basic a giant outdoor prison and that mentality mm. really does carry across till today you know especially amongst criminals such as some people that you're working with yeah. are, you know, have had a long career in crime, you know, glamorous or not. So, you know, it is something that people here are very resistant to as some kind of betrayal of a code or a social code to go and report mm. to police. But, I, you know, mm. I really believe that well, along with that, it, it's a different thing. It's not a snitchy thing. It's not a betrayal no, no. thing. It's not a... no. 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 Well, that's it. I mean, that's what we say. I mean, it, it, that's a big thing for us as well, for the voice of a survivor, is that we would say that you're not snitching or, or dobbing anyone in if, if they've committed a, a, a sexual abuse, a sexual yeah. crime against a child. That's yeah. not a dob or a snitch. That needs to be stopped They're right there and then, you know, and I think that whole attitude and culture needs to change. That emanates from my own personal views, but also from the company I work for. They're on the prisoner's side. They're, 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 not, they're not advocating snitching, but what they're saying is it's different if it's a child at stake and it, and, it's, and it affects all of us you know because uh, you know one abused child may go on to radiate harm and damage to society in their own anger and they're, they're lashing out you know the, just the economic damage that does to society is impossible to calculate but will be high and so we, we're doing society a favor actually by you know helping that child to, for that to somehow stop or to for the child to get help earlier on in life or whatever it yes. is Yes, you know, so it's it's a wider help we're off, we're asking for. So, and you know, if your instincts turn out to be wrong, better to err on the side of caution. You know, don't pursue vendettas against people who actually aren't paedophiles or whatever. But I would say that if, you, if your instinct is telling you there's a problem, try and report it, please, and then that the law will sort that out. You have to have some faith in authority or some, some. And that's point, I mean, know. that's again the beauty of a diary and stuff is you know if you kind of record events and conversations mm. and that absolutely sort of yeah. patterns start yeah. to emerge. We cannot stop people wanting to hurt children in society, unfortunately. We cannot stop it. There will always be those people present. Uh, for whatever their reason, be they opportunistic or psychiatric or criminal, criminally motivated, whatever it is, they are around. Nonetheless, what we can do is we can, we can all of us play an active part in stopping the cover-up, not being a part of it, seeing it if it, if it happens, and mm-hmm. being not just dutiful citizens, uh, but just good, good to one another, you know? I think that's I think that's what it boils down to and it, I think we all are essentially that's what we want to do and then you know I think that's that's not it's not such a hard thing to ask and I, I would also just add you know I just talked about the cover-up as if it's a, a, a an organized conspiracy it isn't and that's what frightens me most of all it's just people not knowing how to behave in the face of something awful you know which is understandable uh, and just refer back to your common decency you, you, the love you have for your own children and that kind of thing You'll need to tell the truth, and I think it will guide you through. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I want to pull apart the the pyramid of abuse stuff. There's people that actively prop up an offender or or, or a perpetrator mm. of something, and and there's people that do it, you know, by default or through ignorance, mm. all kinds of ways that that, that mm. happens. That's mm. fantastic. Mm. Jordan, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate You're welcome. It's lovely to talk to you. Please keep this good work up and look after yourself in this, would you? Thank you, I will, and you too, Tanya. Thanks for thanks for inviting me on. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Hey everyone, and thank you so much for sticking around for this episode of Leaving Hillsong. I think you'll agree that was pretty urgent and important for as many people to hear as possible. You can find Nick at nickjordanmedia.com. 
And of course, please share. I'm sure you can think of a whole bunch of people that could really use this information on a number of levels. Thanks so much to Nick. Thanks so much to all of you. Thank you for all your support. And a huge shout out to my Patreon supporters. Love ya. It's going to be a pretty heavy few months coming up. So uh, stick around. Keep supporting. Keep liking. Keep sharing. We'll be back next week. Keep being kind to each other. Keep looking after each other. And please, keep being kind to yourselves. Leaving Hillsong is hard. But keep leaving Hillsong. And we'll talk soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.